How are y'all doing this morning? Good. Wow, you guys are tired, huh? Well, hopefully, if our worship didn't pump you up, well, hopefully we can pump you up during this message. I'm sure it's going to be awesome. As you can see, Pastor Dave is not here, so we get the honor of having Ashley Jennings from uh, Red Rock, well, Village Church. Sorry. Woo! So I'll get these announcements done real quick. One thing, read the bulletin. There's a bunch of stuff in here. We don't want to tell you the same thing over and over and over again to have you not remember it. So get the app. It'll give you, announce- give you announcements, give you reminders. I really need that. Um, we have a family dinner night this Wednesday where everyone's... Oh, no, next Wednesday. Sorry. Not this Wednesday. Coming up, the, the next one. January 27th, family dinner night. Baptism Sunday. We're going to do it on the day of the Super Bowl, February 7th. See Pastor Dave if you're interested. He has a little pamphlet. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, we're going to have a party so we can all go watch the Cardinals. Uh, February 7th. Woo! Uh, <laughs> go home, cheeseheads. Uh, February 7th. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> Super Bowl party. February 7th at Full Throttle Clubhouse, which is Ross and Jesse's house. Uh, you can see, uh, well, ask Ross if he's here. Oh, there you go. What's that? He'll have a map next week. It's way out there, but it's worth it. Um, new ministry begins January 31st, the FX, Family Experience. Taking what the kids are doing down there, bringing it up here, and getting the whole family involved so everyone knows what's going on with that. New Ladies Bible Study this Tuesday. Uh, I'm not sure which room. It's going to be the warm room, war room, though. The war room, 7 p.m. We're not sure where on the campus yet, but it'll be here. Downstairs. Thank you, George. Sunday morning class. That's it. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Uh, there's a bunch of classes. Oh, is that this one? Is that that one? Okay, thank you. We talked about this, I just forgot. Uh, <laughs> oh, there we go. The new uh, Bible study that's going to, well, this is a book written by our very own George Eberly. The Mission of the Great Commission. It's awesome. It's a good book. I went through the class. It was very, very, opened my eyes to a lot of things. So um, the mismission of the Great Commission, uh, who's going to teach it? Rick Davis. Woo! Uh, is it, it says Mondays at 6.30. Okay. Not Sunday. <laughs> Mondays at 6.30. All right. I think that's it. Read your bulletin. Get the app. You'll get everything there. So with that, here's Ashley Jennings. You need that. Hi guys. I have to tell you, it is so good to be with you this morning. If you don't know um, who we are, my name is Ashley from Village Church. I'm co-lead pastor with Cody Bren. Cody Bren is here today, but he's single dadding it this weekend because his wife is out of town. Um, So he's over there with his little cutie. So um, I'm excited to share with you. I want to give you a couple updates. The first thing I want to say is thank you to you guys, okay? So if you don't know us um, or our story, we left Sacramento, California with a team of people to come to Red Rock. Who knows where Red Rock is? Oh yeah, you guys all know where it is now because you came up there on your big biker (laughs) ride, which our community is still talking about and they're saying good things. So that's a good thing. I was a little nervous about that. but we, we came to Red Rock to start a church there, and it is difficult just as a, from a personal perspective to leave everything, number one, and two, to endeavor to do something you've never done. You know God's calling you to do it, but you've never done it. And so 
Dave has told us how you've prayed for us. You've come up there. You worshiped in the cafeteria. You were the first ones to worship. You ushered in worship to Red Rock. Um, you have supported us financially, and we are incredibly grateful. We're actually overwhelmed by it. Like, Cody and I just look at each other like, I can't—who's the pastor of this church? Is Dave the pastor of our church? You know, like, it's, it's incredible the way that you guys have supported us, and it means the world to us personally, because um, I'll share a little bit about this last week, but you are our family, and we might not know each other day in, day out, but you are our family, and you have stepped up to the plate to do so, and quite literally have taken um, the front lines for us, and so thank you so much. I, yes, clap for yourself. Absolutely. I want to give you a few updates um, on Village Church. So uh, a few opportunities that we've had. So we had a murder in our community. Maybe you saw that on the news. And that is a big deal in our, in general, but it's a big deal in Red Rock because nothing like that has ever happened. And it was very traumatic and very terrible. But out of that, God uh, provided Village Church an opportunity to meet the needs of the community, which is exactly what we want to do. And so um, we reached out to the family, her daughter, the, the woman that was killed, her daughter uh, also lives in Red Rock. And we held a candlelight vigil. For them, and we had the community come out, which was just really neat because that's really the essence of who we want to be, right? The people that are in, going into the community and providing their needs for people that don't even believe in Jesus, you know. And we sang Amazing Grace with, you know, 70 other people that I don't even know if they knew what they were singing, you know, but, but it was just an incredible way to reach out, and God gave us that opportunity out of something terrible, you know, so that's been neat, and then we were asked to do the funeral, too, so Cody and I attended the funeral and, and served in, in various ways that way, so that was awesome, and um, also want to let you know we had our second preview service, so what a preview service is, it's just a monthly service, we're doing three of those before our big launch in March for every Sunday, and our very first one, we had 85 people come, Yeah, it was really, really incredible. You know, 45 were kids, <laughs> so we're like, ah! <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, praise God, right? Praise God. And pray for uh, people called to work with our children, too. So, um, awesome problem to have. And at that service, I have to tell you something. It was awkward, okay? I wish I could tell you it was like this amazing, spirit-led experience, but we had never done it before. They had never been there before. It was Christmas. It was December, so we did two Christmas. Christmas songs, which, you know, they're okay. Um, and then we did this like 10, 15 minute, like, this is who we are. This is why we're here. And maybe this is why you're here. You know, we, and we talked about you praying them in to that service and all that stuff. And um, it wasn't over the top powerful, our message, you know, it just was kind of like, hi, we're Village Church. And we had 10 people accept Christ that Sunday. Which just goes to show that God is at work, even when we feel awkward, right? God is at work, and he's after people. So then we had our second service last weekend, and we had about the same number of, of people come. And uh, we did this really neat thing where we talked about community. You know, we preached on biblical community and how it doesn't just happen. You have to foster it. And at the end of it, we gave a charge to the people. We said, you know, the hardest thing about community is people. <laughs> like, that's the hardest thing. And a lot of us have had hurts and hang-ups from community in general. We have walls up in our hearts. And so 
I just, I asked, uh, would you stand up if that's you and you want to come to the front for prayer? And nobody stood up, okay? And that was so awkward. <laughs> As a pastor, you're like, I'm panicking, panicking. So we just, we gave him another charge. You know, we just said, you know, we, we know you want to run to the door, but honestly, like, God is after you, and would you stand? And this little 17-year-old kid in the back stood up, and he stood up like, I will stand. Like, he, <laughs> he stood like he was the leader, you know? And then 75%, I'm telling you, of the room stood up. They came to the front. And mind you, these people don't know us, really. They don't know each other. This is not like we've been gathering together. So it was really a beautiful moment. They came to the front, and then the five people that were left came forward and prayed over them. And it was just this amazing moment where we prayed for healing for the hurt that we had had. And I thought that's just so beautiful to do together with our neighbors, the actual people we live with, too. So um, we're praising God for that. One really neat thing— well, two, we started a rooted group, which is basically a discipleship group that we're bringing these new believers through. And um, on Wednesday, we, ha- we went through the Romans road. You know, we talked about sin and how it's not good, you know, it, it's not okay just to be a good person, right? We need a Savior and what Jesus does for us. And then at the end, we asked, if you want to start a relationship with Christ, raise your hand. It's a really intimate gathering, and we had um, another man raise his hand. So we're praising God for him, and I think my favorite thing that happened just this week, because it's week to week to week, we're just praising God. Um, We had a former atheist that was an atheist when we moved there in June accept Christ on Monday. So (laughs) we are on a wild ride (laughs) at Rock. We're exhausted, you know, we're, we're just trying to keep up with what God is doing, but he's doing amazing things. And, you know, we've had so much support, and people are so kind. You know, they say, you and Cody, you're just amazing. Everything you touch turns to gold, you know. And I have to just be transparent with you that we don't know what we're doing. (laughs) We are not, like, super special people. We're just people that God has called and asked to be available, you know. And that verse where it says, the harvest is plentiful, the workers are few— we're just his workers. We're just there, and we're just intentional, and God is bringing in that harvest. And so we want to give all glory to God because it's nothing we have done, absolutely nothing. So why don't you give it up for the Lord and his work? With that, I want to share with you this morning out of 2 Timothy chapter 1. So if you have your Bible, you can open it. And this has been an important verse for me because— I believe um, when I came to Red Rock, or I should say before I came to Red Rock, I was a pastor, assistant pastor at a church, established church, and I was doing good spiritually. I was doing good. Um, I felt settled into my faith, and I felt like um, I knew what was going on. I had all worked out, and then God brought us to Red Rock, and that faith that I thought sort of I have arrived, if I'm just being transparent, God was like, no, no, no. <laughs> We're going to stretch that faith and grow it even more than before. And my guess is, you know, I'm 29 years old. My guess is that that continues to happen throughout life, right? So there's a people in here that are over 29. We'll just say that. And they're nodding at me like, yes, you don't arrive. Okay, we don't arrive at like, this is where my faith is and I'm done. And I didn't realize that I had arrived. 
Okay, I didn't realize that I was sort of settled into this is my daily routine with God and this is how it goes, but I'm not being stretched. I'm not growing. And so I want to read to you this verse um, out of 2 Timothy. And I love this book because it's brief, but it's um, Paul's sort of last words to Timothy. Okay, Paul has the sense that he's going to die soon for the gospel. And Timothy is sort of this second-hand man, right-hand man to him, his, like, son, so to speak. He's raised up in, in the church and appointing him now as a leader into these, this church. And so this are, these are Paul's words to Timothy sort of on his deathbed, so to speak. And so it says here, starting in verse 6, well, a little background first. Um, sorry, I'm psych. Uh, Timothy, it's really neat because Paul is telling Timothy, you have a sincere faith. So I think most of us would think we have a sincere faith, right? We have a sincere faith. It's real. It's not fake. It's not worldly. It's sincere. And he's saying you have that because your grandmother invested into you and your mother invested into you. And so there's this kind of spark of faith in you. Like it's been given to you by your grandmother and your mother, and now you sincerely have it. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord, or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Right? Amen. I love that passage. And what he's saying to Timothy here, I believe, is, Timothy, that I'm praising God because your grandmother and your mother have given you this spark, and you have a sincere faith. It's real. But it can't stop there. You can't arrive, okay? And I think I want to challenge us this morning because I know personally, even in my, my time on this earth, as short as it may have been so far, hopefully I'm starting to feel like it's getting longer, but... I, I hope that we can relate to this and realize and admit that sometimes, Christians, we arrive. Our faith stops, or it's just a spark, and we don't fan it into flame. You hear what, what Paul is saying? He's saying, now fan into flame what's been given you. Take it onward. It's your responsibility. It's no longer your grandmother's, your mother's. You know, for us, maybe it's the opposite. It's like, I can't blame these other people, right, that haven't provided for me. It's your responsibility to take your spark of faith onward into flame. And I felt this charge pulling into Red Rock that first time, okay? I just realized when I pulled into the middle of nowhere, like, my faith is stretching, you know? <laughs> like, there's no gas station. There's no Starbucks. Like, where are we? You know, we're in the middle of the desert, quite literally. It's great for biblical themes because it's quite wandering in the desert. It's really easy to relate. And I knew God was stretching me, saying, you're going to have to take that spark, that sincere faith that you have, and fan it into flame. And I think he wants to say that to you today as well. So with that, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to get into the scripture a little bit more. So if you would bow your heads. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for how you know us so intimately. 
God, that your word that's thousands of years old, Father, is still so fresh and alive as we read it. God, that as we read through these words, we see ourselves all over the page. We see our name popping out. We see you calling to us. And so, Father, I pray, would you give us ears attentive to your voice? Would you soften our hearts, God, to receive you? Lord, we open ourselves to you, your correction, your encouragement, God, your calling on our lives. We open ourselves to you now and ask, Father, that you would speak, that you would usher in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. So for me, I'm practical, okay? I like to know, okay, so I'm having the stretching, so how then can I fan this spark into flame? What are, how can I do that? And so I love this passage because it's just so user-friendly, right? We can read through it, and I believe Paul is giving Timothy instruction, so you need to fan this into flame, and this is how you can do that. So this morning, the first thing I think Paul is saying is that if you're going to take your faith from some little spark and fan it into fire or flame, you have to recognize the spark in you. You have to recognize that spark in you. Pay attention to verse 7. He says, For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Who needs power, love, and self-discipline this morning? I love the sound booth. It's like, two hands! Okay? And I wonder here, you know, I don't know because I wasn't, you know, tapping into phone calls between Paul and Timothy, but... I wonder if Timothy was timid. If Paul is saying, Timothy, you've got to overcome this fear. God did not give you a power of tim- a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. You know, for us, there, us meaning Matt and I, my husband and I, there have been times where it's been fearful. It's been timid. You know, we really, like I said earlier, we feel like we are trying to keep up with God. He's running a marathon, you know, and I'm out of shape, okay? And so (laughs) we're just trying to keep up with him. And there have been times where we're tempted to slow down and let that fear, that timidity come into our minds and our hearts. You know, 85% of the time I tell people it's so worth it what we've left. 85%. Okay, I look at what God's doing. We've had, I think, near 20 salvations, and we haven't even had a first service. I mean, that's it. That, yeah, like that's incredible. Absolutely worth it. And then there's like 15% of the time where I'm looking around, I'm like, what are we doing? Where in, in the world did you bring us to? How could you think me? How could you think me? Didn't, don't you? He knows me. God knows me, and still you used me. You're asking me to do it, and that timidity comes in for us. But I believe God wants us to rebuke that and to say, no. (laughs) We have power over our thoughts, right? We have control over our minds because we have the Spirit in us. You know, I realized um, about a year ago, not that long ago, that I was praying wrong, Okay, I had been saying, God, give me love. God, give me power. God, I need self-discipline. That's a big one for me, okay? I need this self-discipline. And I felt convicted at some point. God was like, you already have it. (laughs) I put the Spirit in you. Stop asking me to give it to you and activate it from within. And so I want to encourage you this morning, if you've been feeling timid about your faith, 
And there's a lot of reasons we feel timid, okay? There's a lot of our humanity that creeps in sometimes. That it's not about even necessarily getting rid of that, but instead activating the spark that God has already put in you. The spirit that he's given you, one of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, I often think, wouldn't it just be better if Jesus was standing with me, like physically, like I could hold his hand, or like when I woke up in the morning, he was sitting on the edge of the bed, like, good morning, child. (laughs) This is what you should do today. You know, I I, I criticize the disciples sometimes, like you had him right there, and still you're messing up. Like how on earth? Like he's literally your babysitter, and you're messing up. I don't understand. But you know what's interesting? I heard a guy say this one time. He pointed out in John 16, 7, it says, Jesus is telling his disciples, it's a good thing that I'm leaving you. He said, it's for your good that I'm leaving you because after me comes the spirit, the advocate, the counselor, that spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. You no longer have to share me between the 12 of you. You have a full measure of, of my power in each one of you. And so if we want to be people that fan into flame our faith, we have to first recognize that. We can't be living out timidity. We have to live out and activate that spirit within us. Are you timid? I'll just ask you a rhetorical question. You don't have to answer me. Some of you are like, yes, yes. Maybe today is the day you're going to activate that spirit within you again. Secondly, I believe Paul is saying if you want to fan your faith into flame, you need to own your story. You have to own your story. So in verse 8, he says here, so Timothy, do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord or ashamed of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He's telling Timothy, do not be ashamed of your story. Because I wonder in this time, being related to Paul in any way would be a dangerous thing, right? Paul is, is going to be martyred here any minute. And can you imagine, like, down the list of people, like, second in command is Timothy, you know? Like, you're Paul's leader. Like, you're under Paul. You're, like, first under him. I mean, that would be a scary thing to own because what if they come after you, Right? And, you know, you can remember the disciples the night that Jesus went, you know, was on trial before the cross. They're, like, abandoning him left and right. They're afraid. They're like, I don't know how this is going to end up, and I don't want my name attached to it. And so Paul is kind of rebuking Timothy here and saying, do not be ashamed of your story. What God has done in you, what he's done through you, where he's brought you from, don't be ashamed of it. Own it and tell it. You know, I, I've realized the more we lived in Red Rock, how badly the world needs a different story. People are living out the wrong story, and they're believing the wrong story, and it's causing them all sorts of hurt and damage and brokenness by their own doing and by the people around them. It is so imperative that we, as his Christ followers, that we own our story and we tell it boldly. That we're not ashamed of what he's brought us from, how we found him, and what he's doing in our lives. You know, so many of these people that have come to Christ have simply come to Christ because we've told our story. That's it. 
and it involves Jesus all over it, you know, and so they're like, well, I want that, or I can identify there, and that has caused me to have to be more bold than I've ever had to be. You know, before I came to Red Rock as a church planter, I was surrounded by mainly believers. I was at a church, established church. My friends, people I discipled, they were already believers, and now I'm surrounded by unbelievers, more so, way more so than I am by believers. And it's caused us to be bold, to have to be bold, and just ask people, what do you think about Jesus? Let me tell you what he did for me. Not, do you want to hear my story? We don't ask permission, okay? We say, I'm going to tell you a story, okay? I'm going to tell you a story about my marriage, and it was on the rocks, and God redeemed it. About my life that was destined for brokenness. I mean, you look at how we grew up. Both Matt and our parents were unbelievers, divorced, living who knows what kind of lives, and, and what God did in our lives. We had a pastor tell us that we were destined for divorce, in our premarital counseling. He said, without Jesus, how do you think you're going to make it? You don't have, no one showed you the way, but by God's grace, he has done that for us. That's our story. That's where he's brought us, and that is speaking life and Christ into other people. You know, it was so neat that atheist that came to know the Lord came to church on Sunday with his wife, okay? He wasn't yet saved, and he's been, you know, he just had a baby, and he held his baby for the first time, and that's where he was like, oh, I think that there is something out there. You know, there is something about holding your child, right? The first time that you're like, oh, there's definitely a God. Like, how, this is a miracle. How'd this happen? And it was so interesting because we had another man share his story. We had a testimony time, and we had one of our launch team members come up and share their story. And, I mean, he was going into the nitty-gritty, and I was feeling a little uncomfortable. Okay, he said, you know, where I was, I was lost, and I used to sell drugs. And I used to sell drugs out of a Taco Bell drive through and I'm like, okay, you know, like, do, all right, but where did Jesus bring you? Like, let's hurry on up and go to the other side, you know, and it was so incredible because you know what? That atheist's ears perked up, and God had already been speaking to him through his son, right, that he had just had, and you know what he said? He said, but I used to sell drugs out of a Burger King drive through Is that incredible? And he gave his life to Christ the next day. Cody was like, do you want to accept Christ? like, yeah, God's talking to me. Can you imagine if he hadn't shared his story? Can you imagine if that, that other man hadn't got up and just said, this is where I came from. Unashamedly, Christ brought me from death into life. And this is what death was like for me. And this is what life is for me now. That man heard from the Lord through that other man's story. And so I want to encourage you, you need to own your story. Maybe there's things that are kind of down in there. You're like, I don't want to tell all the details. You know, and I think that there's an appropriate uh, guard and boundary sometimes. I'm not saying we have to just, whoosh, you know, share every last thing. But I do believe that God wants to use you, every single one of his people, to reap in that harvest. And it's going to come by owning our story. And you know what happens in return is that our faith grows. Our faith grows and fans into flame. And so I want to encourage you, who have you told your story to? Maybe today's the day you say, I'm going to flesh out what my story is. I need to flesh it out. I kind of know it, but I'm going to flesh it out. You know, we have three questions we ask people. Where have you come from? 
How do you meet Christ and what has happened now? And we encourage our team, get it down to two minutes because people don't want to listen to you longer than two minutes, okay? Like, if you're going to tell this 40-minute story, you're going to lose people. So get it quick that you can share it in a moment's notice. Practice it. Who have you told your story to? Who has God placed in your path to tell the story to? I believe, I was sharing with the first service, I had this vision of a table for each one of us that call ourselves Christians. We have a table, and God has, God has invited 8 to 15 people to sit at your table to listen to your story. And that could be co-workers, that could be extended family members, that could be immediate family members, good friends, whatever. He has called those people to you. And so I want to encourage you, who's at your table, and who do you need to share your story with? Thirdly, I see here that Paul is telling Timothy, if you want to fan your faith into flame, you need to answer yes to your call to holiness. You need to say yes to that call. We see here in verse 9, he says, by the power of God who has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. The great, this grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. He's saying, you have been called to a holy life. And not only have you been called, Jesus has paved the way for you to be victorious in that holy life. You can't do it on your own, not by anything we have done, he says. Not by anything we do. We don't just try really hard to live a holy life. Our job is to surrender, okay? It's simply to surrender. And I love Paul's attitude here because he is, like, ecstatic. He's not like, all right, Timothy, get it together, we got this holy life thing to live out. You know, it's hard work. So just take a deep breath and put your heels in the ground. We're doing this thing. You know, no, he's like, we've been called to a holy life. I sense excitement in his voice. He's like, isn't that amazing that Christ did that for us? That not only did he die on the cross for us and he's our savior, but he's actually letting us reap the benefits of righteousness in our lives. Like, we get to reap his victory in our lives. That's an exciting thing. I want to tell you that I think sometimes when I look around at Christians and Christian communities, I think what's a struggle for the world when they look into, into our lives is that we walk around like holiness is a ball and chain. Like, it's this heavy, ugh, like, gosh, all that stuff I gave up. Man, I gave up a lot of stuff. And we kind of boast in that. Like, I used to be this, like, it was fun back there. You know, it was a fun time, but nope, not now, not now. I don't do anything fun. Like, we tell the glory days of pre-holiness, pre-surrender. I mean, it's funny, but isn't that true? That holiness sort of becomes this, like, oh, a ball and chain. I'll tell you what that is. It's legalism. That's what that is. When we try to do it on our own, it is a ball and chain. I like, I like preaching here. I like it. You know, I'm, I'm the oldest of three, okay? Does anyone, anyone the oldest child? Okay. So it's really interesting. The oldest child has to figure everything out on their own, okay? Their parents don't really know what they're doing yet. My, both my parents have said, I'm sorry, you know, because I, I am six and ten years older than my sister, so there's a kind of a gap, and 
I just had to figure it out. You know, I had to get a job at 16. My sister, my older sister, they're younger now. They're younger than me, but they're older now. They're like 20 and 23, and they live at home with my dad still. You know, so I'm like super critical of that because I had to get out. Like at 17, it was like, go figure it out, you know. And I remember, you know, figuring things out for myself, like the DMV, okay? I remember when I had to register my car for the first time, and I, I don't even know if we had the internet, but I'm sure I went online to figure it out. And, you know, then I went and stood in line for two hours at the DMV to find out that wasn't right. You know, I forgot the form, and so I have to come back later. And in Sacramento, the DMV is like, you better mark out three days because you're, you're not, yeah. And so I went back home for a visit recently. My 20-year-old sister is like, can you borrow, um, you can borrow my car while you're here. But be careful because the tags are expired. <laughs> you know, and I pull out this older sister card like, what are you doing? You are 20 years old. Figure it out. She's like, well, I don't really understand the DMV. Well, you know what? No one's born with inerrant right to understanding the DMV, okay? It's not like this skill that we just have. We have to work it the hard way. You need to figure it out. Go stand in line for two hours, so be it, you know? And kind of this prideful sister comes out in me, just telling her, like, what's your problem? You got it so easy. And I think that's sometimes how we approach holiness, right? Like that whole, when I was a kid, it was uphill both ways. You know, that kind of mentality. Like what I had to give up was so much. What you have to give up is only a little. So, you know, it's this, it's this prideful sort of ball and chain idea. And I believe that that is so not what God has intended for us. He has intended for us this joy and this victory and this excitement for what he's calling us to. I'll tell you the sacrifice to leave Sacramento was a great sacrifice, absolutely. But it is not something that I want to boast about. I gave all this up for God. And I'm t the, the enemy will tempt you to do that. The enemy will tempt you to get prideful. And when you're not getting what you want, you know, every single one of us that came are struggling financially. Okay, it's not a cakewalk. And in those moments, I don't know what it is about finances that will just bring you to your knees or harden your heart. And I'll tell you, there have been times where I'm tempted to be like, God, I gave up so much, now come my way. And that is so wrong. It is so wrong when we're not getting what we want or we have to work through the struggle and own to the hardship to say, well, you owe me. That is not relationship. That is religion, and that is a burden. Paul is saying here, answer the call to holiness with a yes, a valiant, victorious yes, and a thankful heart, a grateful heart. Thank you for what you've done, and I'm going to tell everybody what you've done for me. And it was a pleasure giving it up, a pleasure. It's worth it. This is good news to us good news to us. And how we get there, answering that call to holiness, is simply surrender. It's simply saying, God, your will, not mine. It's not trying really hard, reading the Ten Commandments every day. You know, I've broken those Ten Commandments. Every one of us has. Every one of us. By Jesus' standards, even more, because if you even look at a woman lustfully, or if you even hate your, have hate in your heart, you've murdered. You know? So we have to be people that, that surrender. If we're going to overcome 
that sin, which Christ did for us on the cross, if we're going to continue that work and reap those rewards of his righteousness, we have to just surrender happily and gratefully. I want to encourage you, I'm going to close this time by just encouraging you to be people that fan your faith into flame. That most of you in here, I'm assuming, have that spark, okay? Someone invested into you, whether it was your grandmother, your mother, like Timothy, or if it was someone that brought you to Christ. Somebody has put that there for you, and you've accepted it, and now it's your responsibility. So I'm just going to have you bow your heads this morning. Again, the way to take to flame is recognizing the spark in us. I'm going to give you a couple response questions and give you an opportunity to take this day and make it the start of a new season of faith stretching and, and growing. Okay, we're going to light a forest fire in here with our vows to the Lord this morning. And so if you heard that this morning and you want to recognize the spark in you and you've been living a spirit of timidity, but you're willing to put that off and claim love, power, and self-discipline, if you just raise your hand proudly. Good. Thank you. If you have been living ashamed of your story, okay, ashamed of what God has brought you from and what he's brought you to, and you're going to put that off this morning, and you're saying, I want to own it now. I'm no longer going to live in shame because I believe God wants to use me. Would you just raise your hand? Thank you. And if you, and just be honest with yourself and with God this morning, if you've been carrying around the ball and chain of legalism, and you're going to choose today to answer yes to a call to holiness through surrender instead. Would you just raise your hand this morning? Thank you. I'm going to pray for us. God, your people have reached out to you this morning. God, I thank you that the second we come walking toward you on any one of these points, maybe we raised our hand for all three, the second we turn away from our sin and toward you, you come running down the path. Just like that story of the prodigal son. The son just turned the path and the father ran. God, I praise you for your grace. I thank you that there's no pit that's so deep that we can't get out of it by your grace, by your hand reaching. Lord, I, I pray that your spirit would help us that as some have raised their hand and said, you know what, I am timid and I'm done with it. Lord, would your spirit empower and encourage those people, Father, to live out and activate that deposit, your word calls it, that you've given. Lord, I pray for those that today say, I no longer am going to be ashamed of the story. I'm no longer going to. In fact, I want to be bold. I'm going to tell it this week to five people. Father, I pray that you would give boldness like never before, Father, like a fresh wind into those people, that you would draw people even this week, bear fruit because of it. And Lord, lastly, I just, we collectively answer yes to that call to holiness. We collectively repent for the ball and chain mentality so often we slip into and right now, collectively, we say, Lord, we surrender. We surrender all and use us. Lord, it's only by your grace that we can do this. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Hey guys, thanks for having me and have a great week.